0: Alright, well it's seven. We'll we'll get going. Um you might, I I think you all know know who I am. Um I'm gonna do something a little different tonight. So um you can see this word love on here, and um I'm gonna spend a little bit of time on uh, some scriptures or around love. Um this is not gonna be a come by hour, we're all gonna set up hugging each other, so don't worry about that. We're gonna but I'm gonna do it in the framework of my testimony. So I want to tell you, uh, if you've ever been in any of my classes on a Sunday, you've had pieces of my life. And so I, what I thought, um, you see me every Sunday standing up, saying something stupid. Um, I do not script it. That is just purely my brain at work. So forgive me. Um, but uh, I thought it'd be, it would be interesting for you guys, just as an elder of this church to, to hear my life story. Um, and then as, as it pertains to this one, one aspect of my life, um, which will come in, I I am going to apologize now. This is, it's, it's an emotional thing for me. Um, I am not, if I do break down a little bit, it's not for dramatic effect. Um, this is, it's just, it, it is something, but I will try and hold, I'm going to do the best of my English stiff upper lip, and uh, and we'll go through this. But let's start with a word of prayer, and then we'll uh, you'll hear more about my life. Dear Lord, we thank you for this church. We thank you for bringing us together as a body in fellowship. And Lord, we just uh, thank you. We have this chance to share our lives, um, but more importantly, to share your word. And Lord, we just I ask this as we go through this that you bless this time, um, that your word would be spoken. And Lord, we just pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. So my testimony. Let's see if this works. All right. So I was born in Scotland at a place called Skyfall. Um, My parents were murdered. No, I'm joking. This is James Bond. So that's... (laughs) I always wanted a really good testimony, and that was never. But so, surprise, surprise. Uh, I'm English. Um, I was born in a uh, little town called Bournemouth, which is on the south coast of England. It's a seaside town in 1966. Uh, I was born at a very early age. And um, I spent most of my first years as a child. And so... Um, I'm, I'm, hoping this is meaningful. No, uh, I am one of four boys. I'm the third in line. So I have two, uh, two older brothers, Mark who's seven years older than me, Julian who's four years. And then I have one younger brother, Guy, who's four years. So we have a few years between us. Um, most people who meet my wife think that she should all get an automatic ticket into heaven after meeting the four of us. Um, cause we're all the same. Um, as a As a kid, I grew up, I did a lot of sports. I played uh, soccer or football, as we called it properly, because we use our feet, um, played cricket, uh, rugby, basketball and I, I always sort of did i was always on good teams, so we it was it was nice growing up and i I, I grew up in an environment where um, being one of four boys, we were very competitive, but we all sort of did our own little bit in, in the sports world, and it, it, was a, it was a fun time. At school, um, I actually did pretty well. I've, I, was, I was a lucky kid. I didn't have to study a lot. Um, I've, I think I've got somewhat of a partial photographic memory. I just would read things and remember. I'd hear things and remember. So um, most of my school, schooling career, I actually did pretty well. Um, when I put the effort in, I did the typical things you did as a boy, uh, in England. I was a cub scout. Um, I went on to the scouts. So when people ask me if I've ever served, I always say, yes, I was a cub scout. <laughs> I still don't get the discount, but I try, um, <clears throat> from a, a, a religious, i call it point of view. Um, we as a family grew up in the, the church of England. I went, uh, every Sunday, uh we went and then I joined the choir uh and I became the head chorus so I did that for probably close to seven years, six or seven years. And um and in that case I was actually going to sun uh to church two at least two times on a Sunday and once a month I did three times. Um also during the summer um it was kind of funny we were paid as a choir to go and sing at weddings. And I did literally I, in my life, I have been to hundreds of weddings, um, all kinds, but there is one of the passages we 'll read tonight it was actually a passage that I heard at every single wedding that I went to in the Church of England, so it was um, something that I, I grew up. Um, when I was thirty, my parents separated um, it wasn't uh, it wasn 't a good good time; it was a very um, acrimonious separation and that became a divorce. Um, my, my dad who you have met, and I don't think he'd mind me saying this. He was mainly his reason. He had, uh, he had met a lady at work and ended up marrying her instead, um, which in its turn turned out to be a night, t- nightmare for him. And that was actually one of the reasons that brought him to faith was um, the, the, the outcome of that. But as my parents, they, Um, were loving parents. In England, it wasn't... It's funny, you didn't show a lot of affection. It was um, a very... Uh, but it was a nice, it was a good family. We had a nice family. We still get together my My parents both are still alive um, and although there 's still a little bit of background, um, they can sit in a room and they can have a conversation so it was it was uh, It was a pretty good childhood. As I said that was one episode that lasted for a while that was uh, was difficult but it also uh, as, as i 'll share it was one of the things where I started to see God's hand in my life. And I didn't recognize it then, but looking back on it, it was something that, well, that struck me. So, um, going through the whole, uh, English church. Um, one of the things you do is, is you then end up with similar to in the Catholic faith where you have the, uh, it's, there's a catechism or the, the stuff like that. We, we went through a thing called confirmation. And I still have this letter that I had written to the church about why I wanted to become a Christian now at that point in time, I can tell you I was not a Christian, but it was interesting to go back and read this, and i 'll just read so i 'm not going to read the whole thing, but just some parts of it um, i w- I would like to be confirmed this year so I could become a and I had little entry point because I put true in there because I didn't think I was a true Christian, but a true Christian and a member of God's armies on earth. Um, let me go on. I, I feel now that as I'm ready to be confirmed, I, as I have learnt enough about God for confirmation, and have learnt enough about myself. Um, uh, let me see. When I get confirmed, I will know enough about myself that I know that I am what that what I am doing when I reply to the bishop's questions. There are three things I hope will happen when I'm confirmed. I will turn from my sin and and God will forgive my sins and the Holy Spirit shall be given to me and I will accept it. Um, After going to church for 13 years and singing in the choir for six, there we go, six of those years, I've learned to praise God, but I have not felt I have been praising him fully. So I think if I am confirmed, I will feel a full member of God's family from Giles. So, That was what I had written to one of our priests, Um, and again, what I when I look back on it, it was it was something that I don't know that I fully understood. We 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 never heard the gospel, Um, but you definitely had a foundation. Yes. How old were you when you got confirmed? I think it was thirteen. That's my wife, who I've been living with 28 years asking questions about me. So <laughs> the, we have a very close relationship. <clears throat> but I had, that, I had a foundation, um, but I, I never, never once heard the gospel. I never heard that I was a sinner in in truth. I, I said in there, yes, I want to turn from my sin. But I really didn't know what that meant. Um, in 1984, I left England. Um, I had graduated what we call the equivalent high school, and I came to Lafayette College, which is a, a university up in Pennsylvania. It's a small liberal arts college. It's about two and a half thousand people. I was the only English person on campus. Everyone knew my name, and it was I didn't know theirs. I mean, I'd walk across campus. Hi, hey, hi, Giles. I'd be like. Uh, hey, I, don't, I didn't know him, but I was the only English guy. So people knew me as the English guy. Um, while I was there, um, I really only went to church at Christmas, which is why the when I went home or I, I used to stay with a family up in Connecticut. So I became a once a year Christian, a CEO, Christmas only. Um, I didn't even have Easter in there. Um, in 1988, I went back home after graduating. I did it very well um, as part of my education, um, but could not work over here. So I had to return home to Eng- England. Um, and when I went back, I didn't go back to church. I was, I just, and again, it wasn't that I was against it. It just wasn't part of my life. And so, um, <clears throat> I I did my job, job. I actually moved from my hometown down to Brighton, which is on the south coast. So all my family uh, used to, they used to live just west of London, about half an hour outside of London. And um, so I moved down to Brighton, I worked with American Express down there for uh, uh, a few years. And in 93, I really wanted to come back to America. And so I ended up quitting my job in uh, Brighton, Flew over here, walked into the American Express office and said, hey, would you hire me? And again, looking back, this was part of God's plan. They said yes. And I was like, oh, OK, well, that's interesting. So I move. I moved back. Um, a lot of people ask me, they say, you know, well, when you move back, what brought you here? And, and the obvious answer is a plane. Um, so. <laughs> When people ask me that question, that's always my answer. It's a plane. Um, Now, when I joined American Express, one of the most interesting things was um, even then, the work visa wasn't something that was easy to come by. And uh, I had, uh, the family I used to stay with in Connecticut the father was a lawyer and he knew, um, somebody who was a district attorney and they were willing to help me get a visa. But instead of going through all of that, American Express just said, i tell you what, we'll apply for your visa. Um, but we'll take the cost of it out of your first year's salary. And I was like, you got it. That's easy. So I managed to get a job. I lived in New York city for a couple of years. Um, <clears throat> That's, I'll try and. Oh, it's gone really weird now, hasn't it? Ed, the uh, technician, is going to. Hang on. All right. No, it's still there. Is that better? Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> So as part of, uh, or in in American Express, my role was an interesting role. I used to travel around a lot of the uh, travel office. I was in the travel division of American Express. And I would do a kind of an internal consulting, helping um, those offices give better customer service. One of those offices I went to was in Tampa, Florida. And lo and behold, who was working in that office? But Barbara. And again... God's providence, the only seat that was available in the whole office was right next to her. So I sat there and we would talk and every so often we would go out to lunch together. Um, We both found that we liked to run. Um, Mine was mainly from running from the police, but I learned to do a bit longer distance. Um, But we would go running together occasionally and so we met in 1994. I will have to say this. I, to start with, I wasn't quite sure she really liked me because she had a sister uh, who lived up in New Jersey, and she would often come up to the New York area. And I lived in New York, and every time she came, she was, oh, well, I'll, I'll give you a call. And then I'd go down to the office, and, then, and she was, oh, I was in New York last week. And I was like, huh. I didn't get a call. And she's like, yeah, and no, I'm sorry, I forgot your number. And I was convinced she just really didn't want to call me. But anyway, we, uh, we, we did uh, go, go closer. In April of uh, 1995, we sort of had a long weekend together. And um, that was when we realized that, okay, this, there was something special there. So we ended up, um, I call it dating in 19, uh, in April of 1995. Um, On August the 11th, I'll remember this day in infamy, I drove 26 hours straight from New York City up to Connecticut and all the way down to Tampa, Florida, by myself in a rental truck with a gas gauge that was broken, didn't stop for sleep, and finally arrived um, at her house, and I was absolutely exhausted, and she wouldn't let me go in the house until I proposed. So, I had to find the ring, drop down on my knees, propose. Thankfully, she said yes. Otherwise, I had a really long drive back. Um, And uh, and then said, "Can I just go in and go to sleep now, please?" Um, So we got we got engaged and uh, we married. What day did we get married, honey? August. Yep, close September, but yep, carry on. (laughs) Yeah. September the 23rd. Any case, my, my wife, this is another God's providence. He gave me a wife who doesn't remember our anniversary, so I can never forget. Um, so it's great. Um, I always play that trick on her because she literally, it's even written on her ring. And you'll see her sometimes, people ask her, and you can see she just goes for a ring. And she wants to pull off her ring just to see what day she got married. But it's, uh, it was such a memorable day for her. <laughs> Anyway, when I met Barbara, she was a born again Christian. She had recently been born again. Um, and so for me, that was kind of a new thing. Um, and I, as I said, it brought back the the feelings of, right, we should go to church. Um, she had been raised in a Catholic church. I'd been raised in an Anglican and and So she had been, her church really had been BSF. So if you don't know that, it's a Bible um, study fellowship. Um, So she really didn't have a a stable church to go to. So we ended up going to a Catholic church and um, uh, that wasn't for me. Um, It was, well, one thing they ostracize you because you're not Catholic. So you're not allowed to do anything. You basically have to just sit there and go along with everything. And I thought, well, this isn't much fun anyway um in about a two and a half year period we went through pretty much every life event you could have we got married we had hunter uh who is my son was born we moved house in florida i got a new job that then moved me from houston to dallas and then we had savannah who is my daughter sorry yes sorry not Houston. I just saw house and that said Houston, but no, it's Florida to Dallas. Um, and when we got there, I was working with uh, Capital One and uh, I met a guy there who became a very good friend of mine, who also was a born-again Christian. And um, we started to sort of look for churches there. We went to a we thought well, Catholic wasn't for us. We tried a Lutheran church. Wasn't much better. So we, uh, this, this guy, Tim uh, introduced us to a uh, Glenview is actually a Baptist church, Southern Baptist, but it was the first church that I went to where they actually studied the Bible, um, where they picked it up and they were, they were on a Sunday's mainly theme based on a Wednesday night. It was verse by verse. Um, and it was my first exposure to that. And, and it became a thing that really got me thinking Um, my dad, as I said, who, who you've met before, if you've seen him around here, he comes usually once a year. He, the, the marriage that I had mentioned before, um, which ended badly for me, basically he was homeless. He, he, they, he was kicked out of the house. She left a bag of clothes on the door and said, this is what you've got. Don't want to see you again. Change the locks on the house. And, um, as he was leaving a neighbor that he had known for years, handed, just didn't say anything to him, just handed a piece of paper on it and it had a Bible verse on it. And it was a verse which struck him very deeply. And as he went to start to go through thinking about his life, um, he, he became born again. He was 65 years when he became born again. So now I had three people in my life who had been born again and I was in a situation where it was really causing me to stop and think about what, what my faith was. And in 2000, I read the Bible start to finish as a non-Christian. I, I just went through it, um, really struggled through some passages. But one of the things that really hit me was the church we've been going to was calling the Bible inerrant. And I was like, if the Bible is true, if it is the truth of God, then I'm in trouble because there's so much that in my life, I'm not meeting, even coming close to God's standards. And so it really made me sit and think, you know what? I know what my position is. I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I can't do anything by myself. And I know that if the Bible is true, then I've got to do something about it. And and lo and behold, it wasn't really me. I knew it was now and knowing it was God working in my life. And, uh, in April of 2001, I, I, I gave my life to Christ. Uh, I was born again. And, um, it was one of those things where it wasn't the big, you know, I, it was no like big lights and flashing and all that. It wasn't really emotional high, but I saw such a change in my life day one, things that were were pre- my mind was preoccupied. I, I used to be, I, language coming out of my mouth was, I wasn't bad, but it didn't bother me. But it just just stopped almost immediately. Um, things like that, which I noticed that would change. And as I started to look back on my life, I really saw how God's hand was in my life. There was so many things that I could just look back on and say, wow. God wasn't finished with me. And there was a reason why I went through some of these, these situations. And he was really, um, I could see it was that sowing of seeds of the word in my life that when I came to the point where I actually became a Christian, I could, I I, I started to see that the fact that the, the seeds that had been sown as a child, just hearing the scripture was now coming to fulfillment. Um, one, one situation, uh, you know, I'm not going to go through a lot of these, but um, I got stuck on a mountain in a storm and we literally, two of us were on a mountain and it was it's the highest mountain in England. The storm came in and, and there was two ways down. Well, there's three ways. One was along a very narrow um, mountain ridge, which we knew that was not going to be good. So we couldn't go that way. The second way was back the path we would come up. And the third way was off a cliff face, which was one side. So we could not find our way back to where we had come up. The weather was so bad, the visibility. And I just remember sitting there going, I, I don't know what's gonna happen. And we just, the two of us just found a spot and said, we're gonna jump here and we 're going to jump and see, and hopefully we land on land and not on something else, and we did, and we made it down, but I look back at that and I think about how close I was to getting stuck on a mountain um, but again it wasn 't wasn 't meant to be um, my parents divorce uh, dealing with that was again, there was times when uh, I got very frustrated. But one of the the times I remember, my mum was was talking to us about how often I could see my dad, and I was just like, "This is ridiculous." I said, "Why can't I have a say? I'm 13 years old. Why can't I at least have a say on you know how many times or why I would want to be able to spend time with my dad?" And my mum gave me a bit about hard time about it, and I just said to her, "I said, but mum, the Bible says that I have to honour both my mum and my dad, my mother and my father," and and at that time. As I said, whatever I thought that meant, you could just see that still the the word of God was being was being planted there. Um, Thinking about how I came over here and meeting Barbara, there were so many doors that were open and shut through my life. Um, The uh, I was at one point, there was a very hard push to uh, put me into Eton, which is one of the top schools in England. And I was that close to going and I just reneged on it. If I had gone there, my life would have been extremely different from today. Um, Coming to America, getting work visas, all these things you start to put together and say, here's a, you know, a boy from just outside London meeting a girl from Tampa, Florida and end up getting married and having children. Um, You know that that was part of God's plan for us. Um, so as I said, we, uh, I, would moved from, Amer- from American Express to Capital One from Florida to, to, to Dallas, um, in, to, in September of, uh, 2001. So I was, um, I, I was born again in April in 2001. I decided to get baptized in the church and a week later I lost my job and I was like, okay. <laughs> Now we'll see how I go. Well, that next six months was the most spiritual growth I've had in my life. Um, I went from reading the Bible as a non believer once to a point where I had time and I was reading it every day. I read through it again now as a Christian and things started to fall into place. Um, but during that period, I had no pet pay- Barbara wasn't working, um, we had no paycheck. We maxed out our credit cards. We used up all of our savings. I cashed in all of my 401ks. And literally, we were day to day. Um, There was one time we were coming home from church and, uh, you know, Barbara said to me, said, well, what have we got to eat? And I'm like, we don't have anything. And I said, okay, when we get home, I'll drop the you and the kids off and I'll go down to the food bank and hopefully it's open on, on Sunday and I can find something. Got home and there was a bag of groceries on our doorstep. Um, There was times when we had a bill coming up and I'm sitting there going, I do not know how we're gonna pay this bill. Get the mail and somebody would have sent us $500. Christmas time, we literally were going, we we don't have any money to buy kids toys. We had so many people step up that we had enough, not only for Christmas, but for their birthdays as well. uh, we, I, I actually wrote down and I started to chronicle all the blessings we got during that time. And there was over a hundred times where people stepped in and filled the gap for us. Um, and it was just, it was such a wonderful time to go through from a spiritual point of view, despite the hard times it was causing on the family. The, the, the culmination of it was really kind of interesting as I said, we were really at the end of the rope and one day Barbara and she can share this part of the story sometime, but she literally broke down in the, in the, in the shower she was having, and she just prayed. She's praying to God, just give Giles something, just a sign. He sent out so many, I hadn't even, I'd sent out hundreds of resumes, not one interview. And she just said, just give him a sign. Within about an hour and a half, I had two calls for interviews. One of them became a job that I ended up taking uh, with Arthur Anderson. Um, but that wasn't enough. We, we literally, when they said to me, said, well, we're gonna have you start on March the 1st. And I said, that's fine, I'm, I'm ready. And I looked at it and I said, you know, March the 1st, our mortgage payment is due. We're gonna have to just miss it. I'm gonna have to default on this payment. And and they called me back and said, actually, could you start two weeks earlier? And I was like, yes, I can. Mm -hmm. And so I got a starting bonus and we actually able we never missed any any payment on any bill or anything during that whole time. So um, I had that job, which then moved me from Dallas to Houston. Um, And, you know, as again, as I look at that time in my life, it was you could so much see the sovereignty of God that he was really in control of everything. Um, his timing was perfect. Um, everything we went through, um, you know, the kids probably didn't miss a beat, um, despite, as I said, some very hard times. Um, so fast forward now where we're living in Houston and, um, on Memorial day, I always remember, cause we were actually having some friends over, um, the wards who used to go to church here, they were coming over on Memorial day and <clears throat> literally probably 30 minutes before they arrived. My brother called me from England and said, Hey, Giles, um, is what Savannah's posting on online? Is it true? Is she, is she just messing around? And I was like, oh, what is she doing now? And um, she had, um, so she, she had, by this time, she had graduated, we homeschooled the kids, and she had graduated from the high school age, um, Hunter was at college, um, he was staying at home, but he, he went to U of H, she had actually decided to join the Navy, um, and at, at the time, it, this wasn't a, um, when this call happened, it wasn't like this was the first event, we had been dealing with... Um, situations with her probably for a couple of years by that time. Um, as I said, we homeschooled the kids and um, she, while she was there, uh, there was another girl that pursued her and, uh, right. and, in any case, she, she, she became, or she wanted to pursue a lesbian life. And so we we sat there we we fought very hard for her we spoke to the family this was another homeschool girl and um for for a, a number of years we were in this flux state where she would know it's wrong but she was doing everything behind our backs she was um and and this other person was uh, i'll I'll call it evil but it was just she she was doing so much to affect the life of our our daughter. And um, it got to the point where her father and and myself spoke and he basically said, look, your family and our family can never talk. We just got to separate. This is not good for anybody. And I said, I totally agree. Um, And I think as part of that, that was one of the reasons why she went to the Navy. Um, She, wanted time. She wanted to do her own thing. Um, and I, you know, in, in, in hindsight, you look at it and say, well, it was probably good for her to get some discipline, some guidance in her life on this day in a Memorial day. Um, she had posted, I think it was on Instagram, uh, that she had had her first treatment to become a bad. <sighs> so we I, I, I looked at it and I was like, oh. and she was injecting her first shot to transition to a man. So I, I called my brother and said, look, I, this is probably just the next in line. I called her and I said, Savannah, what's going on? And she said, well, I've, I went to see a psychologist who told me I, I have gender dysphoria. She was in California, by the way. Um, and uh, that I'm really a man. And so I needed to just be able to do do that and transition. And I said, I pleaded with her and said, Savannah, you know, this isn't right. You know, this isn't good. And she said, this is, this is who I am, dad. This is what I'm doing. And I was like, Savannah, all I can tell you is that your mom and I will always love you. We're never going to, lose you as 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 our daughter but you will always be our daughter and uh she also changed her name um, and i said and savannah i will never call you by a different name you will always be savannah to me um and i said so i said i don't know how we're going to get through this but it's uh we, we, our love for you is something that we will, we will never lose, but we are never going to approve of what we know is wrong. Um, so that began, it, became, it was for Barbara and I, the next year was, was extremely tough. Um, just from a father's point of view, you sit there and you, you you sit there and go, what did I do wrong as a father? I am supposed to protect my child especially my daughter from these types of things and I didn't do that what what could I have done differently we we sat for hours in tears thinking about how you know what could we do to make her change her mind and it was probably about a, it was a, almost a year um before we sat down one day and just said you know what uh, enough we, we serve a mighty God. Um, God knows exactly what was going on. This wasn't a situation where God suddenly goes, Oh my word, I didn't know that was going to happen. Um, And all we could do, the only things that we could do was love her, pray for her and leave it in God's hands. And that was, was the first time in a year where we had a moment of peace where we knew that we didn't know when, if it would ever come back, she'd ever come back to us. Um, but we knew that it was in God's hand and it was all in his control. Um, over the the, the the last four years, we we went two years without speaking to her. Um, we would reach out to her, we would send her texts for Christmas, Easter, birthdays, just on the, the whim, occasionally we may get something back, but for, for at least two of those years, we just, we, we didn't even speak to her. Um, we, we were told we were not on Facebook. We're not on Instagram. Um, there were things getting posted about us online about how we had disowned our daughter and all this stuff that's going on. And we're just like, this is, you know, we can't control that. Um, and as I said, what we really just came to this point where we knew that if God was in control, we could rest in it. And I just put a couple of verses on up here that really struck home with me. Um, Psalm 46, 10, see striving and know that I am God. Philippians four, six, seven. I actually had this on the back of my old car. Um, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Uh, Job twelve ten. in whose hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind? We knew God was in, in control. One of the things that hurt most um, was family and friends who would turn to us and say, we understand, but you just need to love her just, you know, accept love her dearly and she'll, you know, everything's going to be okay. And we were like, we, we do love her. You can't tell me that you, we don't love her. Uh, Even recently when my son got married, my dad was over and, and my brother and his wife were over and the subject came up and I said, let me just tell you what we do. And you tell me why this isn't love. We contact, we reach out to her. We wish her happy birthday. We do these things. Barbara just made her a a beautiful quilt, sent it to her. I said, does that sound like parents who disown their child, that don't love their child? And I, and I, when this was told to me that, you know, I, I just needed to love her as though I wasn't loving her. It made me really sit down and say, what is love? what how do i show love and so what i what i this is where it gets to the scriptural bit so you are going to hear some bible tonight so this is um i started started sit down and try and think about how how do i show love to my daughter how do i well, what is what is really the meaning of love and um if you think about it in the english culture today there's one word But what do you think, what do you think love means? And before you answer that question, let me go through the Greek, the Greek terms. So there's really four major in the Bible. There's actually six or seven words that are related to love in Greek, but the four main ones that really come out, agape was one we will probably all know. It's the highest um, manifestation of love. It's the unconditional love. It's the love that God has for um, his children. Um, And so you you have that, that love. You'll, you'll see a lot in the Bible. Phileo, phileo, um, Philadelphia, the the city of brotherly love. This is, this is where this one, you can see it, how David and Jonathan, in my mind, that was a phileo love where they, they loved each other as brothers. Eros is the, uh, the sensual love, the erotic love. And then the final one, storge, which is a familial love. It's the, the love that a parent would have for a child. An example of that. When you think about love today, when you hear love, what do people mean? What are they talking about? Emotion. Emotion yeah, it's, it's more of this eros. That's a heavy one, I think, people, that, that, that drives it. If you think about society today and, and how... Sex and the sex industry drives this world a lot of people that 's what they 're thinking about. Um, the agape love is just something that 's probably very foreign to people because that 's when you understand what agape is, then you can understand how you can love a child even though that they are doing something that is against god god 's word it's it 's still like unconditional love. And again, it's loving them, not loving the sin or approving of their sin. Um, now, if you do want to turn to John 21, there's a good example of this in John 21. Um, <clears throat> and this is when right at the end, as just before. Jesus ascends. He, he's talking to Peter and he says, I'll get there. Um, I'll just read it off this. He says, um, so when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon, Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my lambs. And he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, shepherd my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, tend to my sheep. When you read that in English, what, what if, if somebody who is not as well versed in scripture was to read that, what would you think that they were, they were looking at as that word love? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 probably one term. They're not thinking about it in multiple uh, different terms. But when you think about it from a, you know, even from a Christian point of view that doesn't study the Bible. um, One of the interpretations of this is, well, this is to counter Peter's three denials. And this is just Jesus saying, hey, you deny me three times. You're going to tell me you love me three times. I'm going to raise you up. Which is maybe partially true, but you look through this, and without understanding the Greek word, you lose a lot. Um, and one of the things just points out, even if you read it in English, was why was Peter grieved the third time? You have to ask that question. So I wrote this back down now, but I put the Greek terms in here for love. So, so when they had finished breakfast, Jesus, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you agape me? the unconditional love, me more than these. He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. So he uses a different term for love. Second time, same thing. He said to him, tend my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you agape me? He said, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. And he, th- um, and he said to him a third time, son of John, did you, do you phileo me? So Jesus uses a different term for love. Peter was grieved because he said to them the third time, do you follow me? And he said to him, Lord, you know, all things, you know, I've, I phileo you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep with that. Do you see how now there's a different way of viewing this passage than if you just use one word for love? You Think about the life of Peter. He had his high points. He had his low points. Um, Matthew fourteen, twenty eight, thirty-one He walks on the water, but then sinks. And Jesus says, You have little faith, why did you doubt? In Matthew sixteen, sixteen, eighteen, he said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father is in heaven. I also say to you thee, You are Peter. Um, in Matthew sixteen, a bit later on, just after that Peter says he's going to forbid Jesus dying, or he's not going to allow that to happen. But he turns and said to Peter, "Get behind me, Satan! You are a stumbling block to me, for you are not setting your mind on God's interest, but man." Um, he wit- witnesses the transfiguration. He denies Christ as predicted. So Peter had this life of, uh, you know, ups and downs as far as that goes. As I said, one school of thought, when you look at it in just using one word of love, is is this was just to counter um, the Peter when he uh, denied Christ. But if you actually look at the terms, you know that what Jesus is doing is the, the is really looking for the total commitment. Are you agape? Do you have? Do you love me unconditionally? And that I think what Peter, when he responds, I think he recognizes that he has let Jesus down in the past. He's, he's um, denied him. He's done these things and he can't use the same word that Jesus used. Um, But then Jesus, uh, lastly, comes down to where Peter was and says, well, do you even me? Are you really sure about that? And Peter goes, yes, I am sure about that. But he was grieved because he recognized that Christ was now using his term rather than the agape. So this is just a great example where when you look at the word love in the English language in our culture today, how different differently it's used than how it's used in the Bible. Um, so the passage I mentioned before, um, which I heard, I said hundreds of times growing up in the church of England uh, in the choir was first Corinthians thirteen 4, seven. And <clears throat> It, it is such a great passage. Um, so it says this, starting in verse four, love is patient. Love is kind and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant, does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own it is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. To me, this was just a, the the passage that allowed me to, to ground myself in what is love? Um, What does it mean for me as a father? What does it mean in my life? And if you go through the Bible, there are so many passages around love, but the, the danger is, is that you have quite a few Christian churches today that adopt this idea that God is love And as such, he loves everybody. And as such, everybody's going to heaven. It's it's sort of this misuse or misunderstanding of what God's love is. I mean, we do know from first John that God, God is love. Um, Matthew 20, 38, 39, he said to him, you shall love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. The second is like this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That was the summing up of the 10 commandments. Um, Romans twelve nine, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Uh, later in First Corinthians sixteen, let all you do be done in love. Uh, finally, First uh, John two fifteen, do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. All of those terms, the words there are the agape word, love. And in First Corinthians thirteen, it's the same word. It's the, the agape love. So I started to go through this and think about how do I show love? How does love manifest itself in my life with the situation I, I went, I'm going through. I still go through with my daughter. So I, I pulled out a few of the words that really hit home patient. Um, it's God's timing. My love should never wane over time. I may be dead and she may Come back to Christ. Um, it it, it's, it does not change. I'm I'm not there to to speed things along, but I need to be patient in that. Um, kind. I cannot tell you how many times there are things that she says that are so frustrating because they're not true, and. Yet you have to be able to communicate with kindness. So you still, as I said, when you're not approving of anything, but you're not turning into anger or um, over frustration, but try to point her back to God. And especially as she struggles through things in life, because she does. And she'll tell us that there's there's struggles going on is to point her to the peace of God. Um, So, you do that out of kindness, um, do not act unbecomingly. This is really more about me if i don 't have a life that can mirror more christ like every day, then i can 't also turn around to my daughter and be scolding her it 's like the, you know if you have a a a plank in your own eye you 've got to remove it first. so my life is definitely not perfect. But I need to strive to, to, to not act unbecomingly, um, does not seek its own. As much as I want this to happen, as much as I would love to see my daughter come back into our lives in a full way, it's not for me. It's for Christ. That's the sole reason why it should happen. I should not be doing this because I'm seeking in my own satisfaction, but it's for God's glory. does not rejoice in unrighteousness. So let me ask this. What would be the, what would be the result if I approved of her life? It'd be the opposite of love. love. Best example. Sorry. Yeah. I I mean, we, we look at it and we say, we're basically opening the door of health for her. I mean, we're, we're pushing her down that path. Um, the best example I always use is, uh, if, if there was a doctor, if you were sick and I was a doctor and I had the cure, it is it loving of me to be able to go to you and say, Hey, look, you're sick. Great. You know, you'll get better. Or is it, Hey, I've got the cure. I can give you the cure here. Um, that's the pointing to Jesus. Um, another one that we often hear again, when people turn around and say, well, you just need a support. I'm like, if she was an alcoholic or a drug addict, Would it be good for me to be able to support her and approve of that? And they'd be like, well, no. And I'm like, so what's the difference? Um, But anyway, we know that we cannot approve. Um, Does the love that we have for her help bear all things, hope all things, endure all things? Um, Our love for her keeps us focused on our love for God as well. Um, As much as the, there is pain and sorrow there. I I'm going to tell you, I did pretty good tonight. I thought it was going to be worse. But as much as that hits home, um, we know God is sovereign. He gives us that peace to endure through this. Um, It never, we never feel like our hope is taken away. We don't know what's going to happen in her life, but we have that hope for her. Um, And more importantly, it doesn't take away um, the, the, ultimate hope, which is eternity in heaven, neither for us nor for her. So a couple of things that just to, to sum up all of this, um, when, when we've, when we share, we, we, I'll tell you, it's been tough over the years to share uh, our, our situation, but what we do know, and again, what is very often is God is in control if you are going through anything, it's find that way to rest in his peace. Know that he is God, he's in control. This is not a surprise for him. Um we've had the chance to share with one other family who were going through a similar situation with a, 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 a daughter. Um but that was that was our you know our biggest message is just know that God's in control. I will say as a secular thing, as a parent, social media isn't a lot of fun. There's so much garbage on it. You have to either stop it or monitor it very, very closely. And secondly, there's times as a parent, you have to step in and say, this person is not a friend. Um, as I said, we we tried our best to keep this person out of Savannah's life. We failed in the end, but we tried our hardest But the other option, we could have just said, okay, let's just go. And it would have been probably much worse at a much earlier age. Um, Secondly, don't compromise on your faith. There's so much pressure out there for us to compromise our values and our faith, whether it's from family, friends, society. Um, we've, We've stayed firm. We will not approve of her sin. And it doesn't mean we don't love her, but we, we're not going to pr- uh, compromise our faith and our values. Um, third, we can't save it. I don't know whether Savannah saved today. She says she does not believe in God. Um, she grew up in the church. I believe that God's word doesn't come back unfruitful. So there's that hope there. But I, I all I know is, is that when it becomes a situation with an unbeliever, you share the gospel. Um, the rest is up to God. It's up to God and the Holy Spirit. We cannot, I cannot do to anything to to raise them out of their sin, or save them. And finally, I realised that people make choices. As I said, for the first year, I, I I blame myself a lot, and it came to a point where I really had to re- again recognise that it. This was a choice. Savannah made choices. We we raised her in a Christian environment, but she still made her own choices. Could I have done things better? Yeah, you know, maybe I could have, but I can't blame myself because when you live in that, that's where the real sorrow really bites hard. Okay, you can uh, let me say a prayer and then we'll uh, you can head on out. Dear Lord, mm-hmm. uh, again I thank you that you are a sovereign God. Mm-hmm as we each of us look back on our lives to see how your hand has been on our lives to lead us to where we are today and lord uh, despite the troubles we may face and when we're told that we're going to face tribulations we're going to find we're going to face persecution and as we think about where we are today in society we see it more and more and lord that's Causes even more to just rest in your peace to know that you are there you are in control there is no surprise to you and secondly you do not change your 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 word does not change and that is where we need to to rest in our hope Lord, i thank you for again bringing us together here on this evening i thank you for this church i thank you for your word and i pray just as we go out into the world tomorrow and the rest of this week and in the future that we are lights to the world that they see Christ in us Lord we thank you again for your son Jesus and it's in his name that we pray Amen